Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Out of the New Living Translation, that's what we're reading from this Sunday morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The scripture says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. The life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. How many of you can relate to that? I can relate to that. And... Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. There are some times, most of the time I believe God asks us to run, but there are times God asks us to walk and vice versa. But the author here is saying, if you're going to run, run with endurance, perseverance. We do this by keeping, how, how do you run? How do you endure? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how you do it. You stay focused. You don't get distracted. You don't look to the right. You don't look to the left. You don't worry about what's in back of you. You just focus on what's in front of you. Having a good perspective will keep you focused. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now keep this in mind. Here's Jesus headed towards the cross. And because of the joy awaiting him that was on the other side of the cross, he endured the cross. Jesus looked at the crucifixion and had joy while he was doing it because he knew the end result was going to be him, King of kings, Lord of lords, in the joy of the Lord, in the presence of God. How many of you have some things that you feel like are distracting you in your life that you feel like if this was just out of the way, I can do a whole lot better, I can be a lot more successful, I can be a lot more happier? But did you know that with the proper perspective and when God gives you a clearer vision, that obstacle actually is there to propel you, to help you, to become better, to receive your reward, and to make the end result of your life blessed. Crosses are challenges and crosses make champions. Turn around to somebody and tell them crosses make champions. So Jesus, disregarding its shame and all the shame that comes with every trial and all the shame that comes with every battle and all the shame that comes with every cross, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The end result will always be you letting God fulfill his will in your life. You come out ahead. This Sunday morning, really briefly, I'm going to do my best to get it done in a good period of time, a short period of time. We're going to talk about getting focused in a world of distractions. Getting focused in a world of distractions. 
If you can learn how to focus, there's nothing you can't do. If you learn how to focus and stay focused, all of your energy and concentration goes into that one thing that makes all the difference in the world. And I think there's nothing more important than staying focused on Jesus. I believe there's nothing more important than staying focused on our eternal reward with him. This life is temporary, but God is forever. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Bless the service right now. Will you pray over the service? Will you ask God to bless it and anoint it? Father, in Jesus' name, anoint this word. Help us, dear God, to receive something good in a short period of time. Anoint it. Bless our ears to hear it. And bless my mouth to speak it. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated as you're praising God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, again. Thank you, Lord. He is so good, and it's so good to be here. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Such an honor to be here to serve you. And to all of our first-time guests, we pray that you have a great experience. Don't let this be your last time. Keep on coming. It's addictive. Let's begin by identifying the cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 12 begins by telling us about these cloud of witnesses that are there. In order to properly understand and interpret the scriptures correctly, you have to understand how they were written. Men have come in to help organize the scriptures by adding chapters and verses. But when the Bible has been written... These are many letters, and the letter is a continuation many times of one thought, and there's a conclusion at the end of the letter. That might be chapter 1 versus chapter 12, and the writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and things have been documented over time, but many times we make the mistake of reading the Bible and excluding what was previously said and written even afterwards as well. Just a little hint to you, when you do read the Bible, consider what's been written before and after to get the full understanding of what's being written. The cloud of witnesses, many have thought them to be angels, but they're not angels. Those cloud of witnesses is every patriarch that was written about in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Those patriarchs and those matriarchs and those women and those men who stood out by faith. It gives a description of faith by helping us understand that the entire universe was created and formed at God's command. And there has been a faith that God has instilled inside of people to help them endure. Much like the Apostle Paul encouraged us to endure and to run. These men and women had a reason for living these men and women had a cause. They had a purpose. It begins with Abel and, and saying that by faith, Abel, he brought a more acceptable offering to God. And Cain did not. It provoked jealousy in the eyes of Cain. Cain's vision really was blurred. Cain couldn't see. These two brothers understood the right way to worship God and Abel did it right and it pleased God God was pleased by his sacrifice and I imagine that you can feel the tension but he did what was right anyways 
Murder doesn't just happen. It is something that occurred over a period of time of jealousy. But despite the pressure, Abel did the right thing. The scripture says that also Enoch. Enoch was taken into heaven without dying. He disappeared because the scripture says that God took him. He passed from this life to the next without experiencing death by faith. He walked with God. That was his testimony, that he walked with God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. And so when we look at faith, we have to realize that faith comes with the purpose. Faith and purpose are tied in very closely. You've got to have a reason to have faith. These men and women had purpose and they had a reason. Therefore, their faith was strong, much like Noah, who Noah built an ark. Noah built that ark in front of all the region. It wasn't a small sailboat. It was a gigantic ark, ship, whatever it was. There was no name for it except an ark. It had never been built before. No one had ever seen it before. God gave him the ideas. God gave him the increments of measurement, everything. And it took him many years to build that ark. But can you imagine the scrutiny and the people that made fun? That got wind somehow. Noah heard from God, and somehow I, I, I can only imagine that, that maybe one of the kids made fun of Noah's kids because they asked him, "What's your dad doing over there? Oh, he's building an ark. What's an ark? It's a big ship. Why? Because there's a flood coming." I mean, think about what he had to go through to build something that had never been built before. But by faith, he kept on living right, and he kept on doing right, and he kept on building. Someone say faith. By faith, Abraham was called out and from his city, from his town, from his people, to go out into a place where he knew no one, to go out into a place where he was a stranger. And, and God gave him a promise and said, I'm going to give you Many children. I'm going to give you, in fact, so many kids. And if you can count the stars in the sky and you can count the granules of sand, then you can count your kids. But how do you think his faith was affected when he only had one child named Isaac? Even Sarah, by faith, she knew that even in her old age, God bring vibrancy back into her life and revive her womb and have a baby in her old age. They made mistakes. He chose Hagar. That was a distraction. But they kept the faith. Just because you and I make mistakes doesn't mean we have to stay on that same road. Distractions come and distractions go but it's based on how much attention you give it. Although it was Sarah's idea, it was also her idea to get rid of Hagar too. <laughs> the irony of that, right? I think Sarah was Latina, but anyways. 
By faith, Isaac was promised the blessings of the future, inherited by Abraham. And then Jacob, and then Jacob blessed his son Joseph. This same faith that carried on from Abraham continued from generation to generation without them actually seeing it all fulfilled. But the scripture says that when Joseph died before his death, he said to Israel, he said to the people, when it's time to go, take my bones with you. He knew God would fulfill the promise, but he died believing faith. Because they were looking for something much bigger than they were. And sometimes you have to realize that our future is much bigger than our present pleasure. Than our present recognition. By faith, Moses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he accepted himself as an Israelite. And chose to be persecuted with them rather than enjoy sin, pleasurable sin for a season. Moses was called out and Moses was identified as an outcast. And Moses became an enemy to Pharaoh. And Moses was a thorn in his flesh. There are many, many other people in the scripture that we talk about and we relate to many times. Such as Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, King David, Samuel, and the prophets. But these are the people that the scripture says. These are the people that overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them in their present time. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. In their weakness, they were made strong. They became strong in battle when they were few and caused armies to go flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Others were tortured, refusing to compromise, refusing to be distracted. But yet God, God was still faithful because they had a hope. They had hope in a better life, and they died believing it. The irony of that story and the irony of this text is, is that the Scripture says that they without us would not be made whole. Because you and I are the ones who received what they were looking for. A city whose builder and maker was God. A city who had a heavenly foundation that was eternal, that would never die, that would never rot, that would never waste away. That is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone and the apostles' doctrine. And of all the building fitly framed together, groweth into a holy habitation of God and the Spirit. Someone say, that's you and I, the church. 
everything ties back to our lineage. Believe it or not, if you've got Jesus, you have the seed of Abraham in your life. The seed of the promise and how many of the promises of God, and not, if not all of them, were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the one. Jesus was the one that was going to carry and fulfill every single promise that God had made. And now you and I have a hope and we have a future. Where people get distracted is that they have no understanding and they can't see that heaven is real and Jesus is real. They miss it. We can miss it. How many times have you and I ever said to ourselves, if, if, if God was real, why did this happen? If God loves us, why is this happening? If, if God is in control, then why are all these bad things happening? There is scripture for this, and there's an answer to that. But there are distractions that come into our life that will sidetrack you in a minute, in a minute. If you allow your mind to wander and allow your old man to dwell on them and get your emotions involved with it. But when you understand, just like you should today when you were in worship, how many of you felt the presence of God? You know what that was? That was an indication that God is real. That God sent his only begotten son into the world. That Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And he poured his spirit out. And still pours his spirit out on all flesh. And when you and I have a hunger and you and I come to church, we're not here just to say we came to church. We used to go to church if you were religious growing up. I used to go to church and think, I went to church. I did a good thing. I did a good thing, therefore I can do my own thing. I wasn't raised in a church like this. If I had been, I probably would have done different in my life and probably got on much, much further ahead. But, but I grew up in a denomination where you can do whatever you want to do. Just as long as you make it to church on Sunday and you're good to go. Go back out there and do it again. And you're good with mama. And mama will make your favorite meal if you go back to the house. But I had no conscience. I had religion. It means I had no relationship. I had religion. I had tradition. I didn't have relationship. But now things are different because I have an experience. I have an experience with the love of God. I have what the scripture calls the first fruit of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit in my life now. How many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit in our lives? That's what you felt when you were worshiping God. 
That's what you feel when the word bears witness with your spirit. That's what you feel when you pray. That's what you feel when you believe. That's what you feel when you clap your hands sometimes. That's what you feel when you feel a witness in the atmosphere and, and you feel that unction to go, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It just happens like that. It just happens. Sometimes you can't hold yourself back. Sometimes you just have to express yourself. Sometimes you just have to let go. Because whoever's inside of you feels and loves what's going on around you. It's like the little lady that came to church. Little old mother lady. She came to church on one Sunday. And they were worshiping and they were preaching. And, and, and the, the music stopped, and she, she stayed standing up, and she was still praying out loud, and she was still saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And the pastor was trying to preach. He was trying to talk, and he said, mama, he said, can you sit down? And she kept on going, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And he said, mama, can you please sit down? And she said, Pastor, how can I sit down when the Holy Ghost is standing up? Sometimes you just feel that there's someone inside of you or something inside of you that you just can't contain. Jeremiah said, the prophet said, there's a fire shut up in my bones. Sometimes there's just an unction that helps you give witness that there's more to this experience than just coming to church. There's a world to lose, there's a hell to shun, and there's a heaven to gain. And if I can feel him here, he's alive, he's a well, and the Bible is true, the word of God is true, and this experience doesn't stop here. I want you to understand what keeps you focused. Are you ready? Point number one, hope in a future brings focus. Hope in a better future keeps you focused this is what every patriarch and everyone that was in the hall of faith in chapter 11 in the book of hebrews it's what kept them going hope in a better future you want to know what drives every daddy and drives every mama you want to know what drives them to work hard you want to know what drives them to live better and do right and come to church is the fact that they want a better life for themselves and their children they want a better life that's nothing wrong there is absolutely nothing wrong with that but there is so much more than just this life beyond that but the problem is is that we have blurred vision we can't see everything that God has because we've got too many distractions. So you can work hard and you can do everything necessary to succeed, but what you call success and what God calls success are two different things. I, I think it's good to be successful in everything that you do. I think it is proper to, to prosper in your life in every area of your life. But none of that is worth it if we gain the whole world and lose our own soul. But when you are in the will of God and you feel the purpose of God and your heart is in his hands, then it doesn't matter how hard you try. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Neither darkness, nor principality, nor death, nor sickness, nor disease. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And that's what he wants. He wants us to have 
clear vision, not blurred vision. He wants us to see things the way he sees things. The reason why a lot of people don't come to God is because they can't see what God is trying to tell them. I want to read you one of your favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Think about that for one moment. Toward you. God thoughts are going toward you. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Most people can't stay focused on eternity because they're blurred by what this world is offering. The hope that I believe the Bible gives is a hope in the life to come. For this portion of Scripture, the book of Jeremiah was actually, God was talking to Israel because they were in Babylonian captivity. And God wanted to bring them out of that captivity. And God wanted them to know that there's a future. And most of them pressed on. They didn't give up. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He went through pain. He went through sorrow, but he was still counted as one of those who had faith. And he endured. Because there is a better life. There is something better. There is something greater. There is something more satisfying than what you can see with your eyes and what you can feel with your hands. Someone say, I, I, God, touch my eyesight. Let me see. Open my eyes. Let me see. When you lead and you lead others with the perspective of what God has and you can show them what God is saying, how God feels about them, then you can help someone reprioritize what's important in life, what really matters and what really doesn't matter. And what begins to drive you changes. But it's hard to help somebody if you don't know if they can't see or not. We've all made mistakes as parents, right? How many of you can admit as parents you've made some mistakes? I'll tell you one of our mistakes we made. Here's a mistake my wife and I made. We didn't know that our youngest boy had bad vision to probably the third grade or so. He was getting bad grades and I even want to say even the, the fourth, fourth grader and we kept talking to him, son, what's going on? What's happening? What, 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 your grades are low. You're not. Then one day, he, he didn't say a word. Then one day he comes up to my wife and says, mama, I, I can't see the board. Every time the teacher talks and teacher writes something down, I, don't, I can't see it. Sure enough, we went and got him tested. The boy was blind. <laughs> see, oh, he was, couldn't see nothing. Look at this slide. This is what most of the world sees when God is trying to talk to them. That's what most people see. They can't understand it. They don't see it. They don't feel it. You're trying to relay a message to someone, and their vision is blurred because there are so many distractions in the way. There are so many things that have people occupied that they 
They don't have a heart for it. They can't feel it, right? Whether we like it or not, we are desire-driven people. We have to feel it. You know, feeling is something that is called desire. Desire is something generated. You generate desire by what you meditate on and what you think about and what you want. And if you desire that strong enough, you'll begin to develop the faith for it. And that faith will lead to action. And your actions will be works that will obtain what you're desiring. That's a principle in the Bible. It's not really a self-help principle. It's a biblical principle. Faith with that works is what? Dead. The only way someone's vision can be cleared is by your prayers. If you want to write this down, here's quick little points on how to help people see clearly what God has for them. Your prayers for them. Your love towards them. Your prayer for them. Every day praying. Let me define that. Every day praying. Ask God, then after you've asked him, begin to worship and praise him and thank him for answering that prayer over that person, your loved ones, your children, your mom, your dad, who, your friends, whoever it may be. Your prayers make a difference. Then they'll start to see because the moment, remember, who is thinking towards them? Remember what he said in Jeremiah? I know the thoughts I have towards you. So the thoughts of God are going towards people. And the moment that they open their mind to him, the thought penetrates. <laughs> I just gave you a powerful principle. Then when you show the love of God through acts of kindness, gentle words, wisdom, you can lead them. Would you like to see some distractions that the scripture tells us that come into our life? Would you like to see the scripture? 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 says it like this in the New Living Translation. John says, do not love the world nor the things it offers. But when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Nothing wrong with having things. It's just not good to have let those things have you. Right? Got to have the love of the Father. You got to love God more than anything else. He says, if you love those things and what the world offers you, what are those things that the world is offers, offering us? For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. You define physical pleasure. That comes in different forms, in different activities. A craving for everything we see. You know what some of you spouses need to do? Notice I didn't say husband or wife. When they go to the store, go to the mall, and they go shop, you need to put some blinders on them sometimes. Put some restraining orders in some areas. I'm just kidding. Because the eye is never satisfied. How many of you have ever ordered food at a restaurant and you thought to yourself, oh, I'm so hungry I could eat a cow. The cow came, you couldn't even eat a ribeye. I mean, we're, our eyes are bigger than our appetite. 
That's no different with things in the world and position and prestige. But listen to this. Listen to this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. All the people with bad credit ought to shout right there. You got roaches running in your house right now. You ought to be praising God like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm just messing with you. I'm just telling you everything that you're experiencing right now, whether good or bad, it's not going to be forever. Nothing is forever but God. So get a proper perspective on what really matters. What really matters is the lives of the people around you because the soul is eternal and the soul will live forever. And whatever loves God or whoever loves God will live forever. You've got to learn how to love people, especially your family. That's how you stay focused. You stay focused by realizing that there are people watching me, that my children are following me. They don't care what you say because what you're doing is screaming in their ears. That is a fact, Jack. Kids, kids will do what you do, not do what you say. Oh, I know it ain't fair, right? It ain't fair, Pastor Rod. I like your jeans. I know. But remember, you're a child too, a child of God. And the Father has given us specific instructions, not because he's trying to put restraints on you, not because he doesn't want you to be happy. I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't raised in church. So I, I, I can say this, and, and I don't say this to, to, to be crap. I don't say it to be weird but I'm going to say it anyways I know what it is to party I know what it is to drink I know what it is to get high I know what it is to go out and mingle I know all of that stuff but I have never in my life had a higher high than the love of God in my life I have never in my life and all my years living for God ever been bored I have never in my life when I have ever been drunk in the spirit and if you have never been drunk in the spirit you don't know what you're missing but I have never woke up with a hangover. I have never woke up with a headache. I have always woke up wiser, stronger, better, happier, filled with joy, have a peace of mind, have peace in my family, have a strong marriage, have a strong... How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are some things in this world that, do, that don't compare anything to what the world has to offer that's ahead of us. The world to come is real. Heaven is real. Eternity is real. So when you begin to pray for people and you begin to pray, God, remove the distractions. God, remove these things. God, touch them. Deal with them. Look at this slide. Here's what they see. It's like God gives them glasses and clear vision. 
It's like God begins to let them see Jesus loves you. He died for you. The world is temporary. Heaven is real, and he wants you with him. They start to see it. They start to understand it. Their vision becomes clearer. We have to learn to discern who can see it and who can't see it. And the only way they're going to see it, because see, that's actually paraphrasing the Bible. I can show you Bible for every one of those statements. That's all biblical. Write it down. Take a picture. Whatever you got to do. There's scripture for every one of those. But guess what? Are you ready? How are you going to force somebody to read that in the Bible? You don't force them. You can't force them. Even if you tried to do it, they're not going to listen to you. Did I ever tell you about the time God saved me and I got out of an old-fashioned revival service? Anybody know anything about an old-fashioned revival service? Anybody here? I mean, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about one of those services where there's no time limit. The preaching goes on forever. You're at the front crying out to God. There's muckles going all everywhere on the ground. I mean, I mean, you got snot. You're, you're just shouting. You're there till midnight. I grew up in one of those churches. And one night I felt it. I had such a passion to see my friends one to God. And that night I went to the house. The party house where I used to hang out at. And I walked in, and guess what? Everybody was on cloud. Well, I don't know if it was cloud nine. They were up there. <laughs> I walked in with my Bible. I was high too. And I walked in there and I didn't I, I didn't do it the right way. But boy, I had a fire in my gut and I walked in there and I said everybody I got to tell you something they all sat down even their mamas that's right and I started reading out of the book of John and I started reading the scriptures out and I said I want to pray with all of you right now that was the dumbest thing I had ever done in my life to this day, I'm going to tell you, it was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. You may have thought that was fiery, that was cool. Yeah, you better tell them. You ain't going to ever win anybody if that's how you do it. It ain't going to happen. I scared them off for years. They didn't talk to me. I'm the only one that felt it that night. They were going, man, check out Bobby, man. What you doing? Stay out the way. What, Eric? <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I wasn't raised in church. Some of you need to hear this because you're trying to figure out how am I going to win my family, and you're trying to force it, and it's not going to happen. Let me tell you how it happens. The Scripture says that we are living epistles, that we are the handwritten Word of God Right here, he has it in our hearts. And when we live it, people read us. Living epistles read and seen of all men is what the scripture says. 
So if you want to know how to win your family, how to influence people, how to help them get focused and see it, you've got to live it and love them and pray for them. I want to show you this next slide really quick. And here, well, actually, let me give you the second point. Here's the last point. And here's what the secret is. The love for your family should be your motivation. Every single one of us ought to be praying and focusing on our families, focusing on our loved ones. If you don't have a family, pray, God, send me a man or send me a woman. I'm going to get ready. I'll get prepared. I'll get my life right. I'll start living right. I'll start doing right. See, because the secret is you don't become, you, you don't look for Mr. and Mrs. Right. You become Mr. and Mrs. Right. When you're right with God, then God will send you the right person. That's how it works. If you make Jesus your king, he'll send you a prince. Ah, just whatever. <laughs> Watching other people live for God gave me direction, not listening to sermons. My family was one to God. My mama, I won my mama to God. My mama was the one who didn't want me to go to church because it wasn't her church. My mama used to come, my mom used to come to our apartment before we went to church and they parked behind our car <laughs> right when we were leaving and got out like it's no big deal. Hi, Miho, what are you doing? You know where I'm going, Ma. I'm going to church. Oh, well, you want to go out to eat with us? Ma, stop it, Ma. I got to go to church. And she was always giving me a hard time. But then my mama started spending the night with me. And then what I started doing at nighttime, I remember what she did for me. When I lost my daddy when I was little, my mama used to be by my side and put me to bed. So I started putting my mama to bed. I kneeled beside my mama. And I started praying for my mama beside the bed. And I started saying, Lord Jesus, touch my mama tonight. Sometimes she'd have a headache. I said, Lord Jesus, take this from my mama. I pray a blessing. And I wouldn't stop until she fell asleep. And I did it over and over and over and over until one day she came through the church doors. And she started lifting her hands too. And she started worshiping God. And then one day she was baptized, water baptized. And then she got hungry and God filled her with the Holy Spirit. And then God began to do things. I'm telling you, there is nothing God can't do do if you get a love for your family but you got to be motivated by the fact that heaven is real and that there's eternity to gain and this life is temporary and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves them we got to start getting realigned with him we got to start winning our family members over we got to start praying for them we got to start loving them we have to start believing that this is all going to end one day this is all going to fade away heaven and earth will pass away but his word will go on forever, and we will forever be with him. I can keep going, but I'm going to end right here. Come on, Haley. 
I'm going to stop right here. i got more slides and everything. But here's what I feel. I feel that we need a fresh mandate in our lives. Who is it in your family that needs God? It is not going to be through preaching. You can't force love on anybody. You can't force them to come to church. But I promise you, if you'll start praying for them, if you'll start calling their names out, if you'll start asking God to touch their heart, if you'll start loving them, if you'll start being patient with them, if you'll start being forgiving with them, if you'll start just when the opportunity presents itself to say, hey, come to church with us. If they say no, that's okay, baby. Don't worry about it. You, next time, if you feel like it, whatever, we love you. And keep on going, but don't stop. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it, mama. Keep praying for your son. Daddy, keep praying for that girl. I'm telling you, it works. It works. Daughter, keep praying for that mama. Son, keep praying for that daddy. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Let your love for your family be your motivation. Are you ready? I want you to remember this right here. Selfless ambitions keep you focused. I have talked to businessmen, athletes, moms and dads. You name it. The ones that were really focused had a purpose and a reason and they loved their family. The ones that lasted some have wrong motivation and they do it just for the money and they don't last long. But the ones that last long and take their families with them have a reality check and understand that Jesus is alive and well. That the Spirit of God is real. That heaven is real. And hell is too. But he paid the price for you and I. Will you make that your prayer right now and say, God, motivate my spirit. God, put a desire in my heart. Lord Jesus, if you're here today and you've not given your life to Jesus, you, can you do that right now? Well, listen, we all stand to our feet as we all just begin to lift our hands. If you have not given your life to Jesus, will you just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. I put my life in your hands. If you're here this Sunday morning and you've got family that needs Jesus, can you just begin to worship him and thank him for what he's fixing to do? Ask the Lord to let his thoughts be go, go towards them right now. A thoughts of hope, thoughts of a future, and the mind of peace, and a mind of understanding, and that he would surround them with the love of God. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Begin to speak it over their lives. This is where God begins to flow. This is where God begins to protect. This is where God begins to move. You have that kind of authority. You have that kind of authority to speak over your family members. You have that kind of authority to release it, to release it, to release it and pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my family as it is in heaven, in my job as it is in heaven, on my co-workers as it is in heaven. Dear God, we bless your name. We bless your name. Somebody say, Lord Jesus, I pray right now for my loved ones, for my friends. Let your thoughts go towards them right now. And as they begin to think about you in their daydreaming, in their night dreaming, God, let their thoughts become your thoughts. 
put a desire inside of them. Bring them to the house of God. Bring them into your presence. Now somebody begin to thank him right now. Come on, let's worship.